Well, just to repeat that our, our text is uh, Exodus 20, verse 12. <clears throat> Honour thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So we've studied the first um, four commandments, which we could say concerns our um, sort of horizontal relationship with God. And those four commandments remind us that we must worship him only in the way that he has prescribed, not, not in the way that we just make up, but in his way. Um, we're to bring honour to his name, particularly by remembering the Sabbath day. I was just struck again as I, as I read the Ten Commandments then. Hey, <laughs> the number of verses allocated to the Sabbath day compared to the others. But now, in this fifth commandment, we turn to, we could say, the vertical relationships that we have with our neighbours. Um, there's no such thing as a real relationship to God which ignores our relationship with our neighbours, with others. There's no real division in practice between what some call the first and the second tables of the law. It is one law of God. Um, we cannot love our neighbour without loving God. Try that. <laughs> that would be very, it's very difficult when you do love God. <laughs> if, you, if you didn't love God, how would you possibly love your neighbour? Um, and we can't love God without loving our neighbour. The evidence that a man or a woman loves God is his or her love and holiness within his essential relationships in life. Um, 1 John speaks of this, 1 John 4, um, 20 and 21. He says, if a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. Um, for he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? So there cannot be an inconsistency between our horizontal relationship with God and our vertical relationships with our brothers and our sisters, our neighbours. The unity um, between the first and second tables of the law must be reflected in our lives as we obey God. Um, it's interesting that the Lord Jesus emphasizes, um, I mean, he, do, he does make a distinction between the, the first and the second tables of the law, um, but he also emphasizes the, the unity by implication. We think of his conversation with that lawyer in um, Matthew chapter 22 and verse 36 following. Master, the lawyer said, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. There the Lord Jesus is talking about our, the first four commandments, our relationship with God. Jesus says, this is the first and great commandment. 
And the second, he says, is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So you can't, in other words, the Lord is saying, you can't have one without the other. On, on both hangs the whole law. Well, therefore, we have, in our Christian lives, we have to have both. We have to have that relationship with God and we have to have these loving and holy relationships with our neighbours. Too, too often, a Christian testimony is undermined through a lack of love towards others whilst professing great love to God in church, singing hymns with beautiful words. And we've all been guilty of it. Um, but the Lord is looking for that unity and that consistency in our lives. Well, of all the relationships with our neighbour, the priority within the law is given to our relationships within the family, but in the first place with our parents. After our duty to God, our next foremost obligation is to family. So in, or, in order, it is God, family, neighbour. A life ordered to these priorities receives God's blessing. Honour thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So loving our neighbour as ourselves starts with honouring our mother and our father, or father and mother. And of all the complex relationships we have in life, and we have many, don't we, of all, all the people that we have to relate to, of all the relationships we have, we have to begin or prioritise the family. Because when the family stands, the nation stands, isn't it? We know that. When the, fam when the family falls or fails, the nation in the end will fall with it. And, and we're seeing that before our eyes, fortunately. Uh, and this is why this fifth commandment, I think, is positioned um, in, in a place of special significance within the law. It's, it's, at the, it's almost a, a, as the top rank. It's, it's the, 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 of, of the second table of the law. All the other vertical relationships with others flows from this initial relationship with, uh, within the family. And we live in an age where the consequences of ignoring this fifth commandment are, are all around us. Are all around us, there's absolute chaos, isn't there? Um, and disorder, because within a well-ordered family, um, the building blocks of how to relate to um, others and how to respect authority—that that's where it's, it's first learnt. If you don't learn it there, you, where, where do you learn it? And this is why Satan attacks the nuclear family. This is what, because he thinks if he can undermine the family, then he, he's got us, can destroy uh, our nation. And it's because of sin, it's because of the evil one, that so many children, um, you know, and, and this is true in church and out of church, so many children do not live in, in, a, in, the, in the family structure that is envisaged and assumed here in this commandment. Often children don't live in a nuclear family. 
Many children have divorced parents. Um, uh, often children will have at least one step-parent. Um, so there are, compli there, are, there are complexities and difficulties which have come in because of Satan's attacks. And in the worst case scenario, some parents are abusive to their children. And in some cases are outright dangerous and have to be removed from their parents. So real life is not ideal. And when we preach the Bible, sometimes we, we, we destroy people by preaching an ideal situation where real life is not like that. And this is one of those, those examples where real life is not ideal. But we still have to deal with the fundamental principle within this commandment first. Before we come to difficulties and, and complexities, we have to understand and, and deal with the fundamental principle within this fifth commandment. And we will come on to the, to the difficulties a bit later. So, first of all, or secondly I should say, please note that this commandment doesn't just apply to children. We often think, well, it's because it's honour your, your mother and father, it's, it's addressed to children. This, I believe, is addressed to adults and children. It's addressed to everyone. Um, we have all have parents, or, or, or we all have had parents. Um, some, some of us, our parents have passed on to be with the Lord. But whatever age we are, we have, <laughs> we have all had a parent or parents. Um, and so therefore this is a command to all of us. So none of, none of us can switch off from this. We can't think, well, I'm an adult. This doesn't apply to me. Um, so note that, please, because this, this, is, this is important for all of us, whatever age we are. And, and this, fifth command, this fifth commandment easily divides into two points. The command itself and the promise attached to it. And, I, and I'll just take it in that order. Begin with the command itself, and then um, probably won't spend too long on the promise, but there is this promise attached to it. So then, very simply, let's start with the command. Honour thy father and thy mother. That's what the commandment is. Honour. What does this word honour mean? Well, the, the Hebrew word there for honour is a verb which literally means to make heavy, to make weighty. The sense here is that the honouring of parents gives them importance, seriousness, um, dignity, which is their due. In other words, whatever age we are, whether we're a young child or an adult child, um, we are to give this honour to our parents, or if we have one or two parents. Um, and this is a lifelong duty, right through our lives, even my, even my age. Um, 
And the importance God places on this is evident throughout Scripture, and we need a lot of time to explore it properly, which we won't do. But just think, for example, of the strong emphasis upon honouring parents in, in the biblical wisdom literature. So just a couple of examples. Proverbs 1 verse 8 says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. It's interesting, actually, in a lot of these verses and in this commandment, it's not just the father, it's the father and the mother. Um, the mother has, is due honour as well as the father. Um, Proverbs 19.26 He that casteth his father and chased, chases away his mother is a son that causeth shame and bringeth reproach. And um, there's another verse, I mean, I, I hesitate to read this one because it might give you nightmares tonight when you go to sleep, but it's um, Proverbs 30, verse 17, says, The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagles shall eat it. <laughs> you know, so the Lord is taking it pretty seriously, isn't he? And then we think that of the value um, God places upon children honouring parents in the penalties that um, he um, sets out in the, in the civil law of Israel. Um, if, you, if you look at De Deuteronomy uh, 21, and verse 18, it really is quite um, severe. Deuteronomy 21, 18 says, if a, if a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him, it will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him, and bring him out unto the elders of his city and unto the gate of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of his city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. And so on. Well, sometimes I, I praise the Lord that the civil law of Israel doesn't... To us now, but um, certainly there was at the time that was a very serious offense that for, for a, a, a child to dishonor a parent. And so, because this is so important to God, um, it's important that we understand precisely what is being commanded here in this commandment. What does it mean to honor our father and mother? Well, it, to me, it seems obvious from Scripture that the, that the requirement, as I say, is a lifelong duty, but also that the way young children are to honour their parents is slightly different than the way, shall I say, adult children are to honour their parents. This seems quite clear from Scripture. The difference is that when you're a, ch a young child... Or a, or a young person still under the roof of your parents, the scripture requires you to obey 
your parents. When you are an adult, an adult child, no longer under the care of your parents, you are not required to obey, but you are required to continue to honour them. And this becomes clear when you study how the Bible applies the fifth commandment differently to children as it does to adults. So the fifth commandment here in, in Exodus 20 actually says nothing about obedience. Um, but when the fifth commandment is applied to young children, obedience is the key component of honour. So, um, and conversely, when Scripture applies the fifth commandment to adults, um, obedience is not mentioned, but rather respect and, and, and provision. So notice the language of obedience when Paul speaks of the fifth commandment in relation to young children. Ephesians 6, 1 to 3. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour thy father and thy mother. And then Colossians 3.20, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. So those are two verses where the apostle is applying this fifth commandment to young children or, or to young children that are still at least under the care of their mother and father. So the lesson of that is that if you're um, still in the care of your parents, obedience to your parents is the main way that you display honour to them. It's not the only way, but it's the main way that a young or a child displays honour to their parents. And this actually... Colossians 3.20 this actually pleases the Lord um, when he sees this happening it gives him pleasure that's an amazing thing that something that you do or a child or a young adult does in their home by obeying their parents actually brings pleasure to the God of heaven that's an amazing thing isn't it he's watching you and your parent says could you do this and you do it willingly and you do it well and parents are pleased with you and that affects God it touches God so it's an amazing thing um, and it, it is under the training of parents that you learn to live an orderly life and to relate to authority in, in the wider world um, so childhood includes this temporary period of obedience to parents while you remain under their authority. They train you in obedience and in return as an adult you give them lifelong honour. That seems to be the way the scripture applies this fifth commandment. And as the fifth commandment is applied to adults the emphasis changes slightly. It, it, the language changes away, away from obedience to respect and reverence and esteem. Um, so those of us who are adults, who still have our parents, um, 
It requires a particular attitude towards our parents with certain actions. The Lord Jesus and the Apostle Paul uh, refer to the sin of neglecting to honour your parents as an adult. Um, so the Lord Jesus spoke of this in, if we turn to Mark 7 uh, and verse 8 and verse 8. The Lord Jesus is talking to the Pharisees who basically have worked out a way around supporting their parents by saying that if they give their money that was reserved or should have been given to their parents and they gave it to the, to the temple itself instead, then they were released of the obligation to their parents. And he says, for, that, for, for laying aside the commandment of God Ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups and many other such things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye, keep, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honour thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is to say a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. So the Lord Jesus wasn't going to, you know, he was criticising the Pharisees for, for not obeying this fifth commandment. And the Apostle Paul refers to this as a sin, really, in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 8. He says, if, But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel, worse, worse than a heathen. So honouring our parents as adults um, is really, really important to God. It's not just one of these com a commandment which we think we must put at the bottom of the list. It's very important to, to the Lord. Honouring your parents is, is really saying to them that you have value. Um, particularly as an adult, it's saying I will care for you and provide for you. Often these days... At least sometimes parents have plenty of money. It's not so much about money. Um, it might be. But often it's more about company. It's about regular visits. It's about including them in family events and so on. And when they're frail and they're sick, it's about um, caring for them. It's about physical care sometimes. It's doing everything possible to keep them in their own home for as long as possible and then if that fails bringing them into your home if that's possible um, the Lord really takes this seriously and so often in our day we, we don't take this duty very seriously at all do we as adults 
So going back to young children, as I say, that there comes a time when obeying your parents is no longer appropriate. Um, you've been brought up. You now have the skills to function outside of parental authority. For many, this will be when they get married, of course. Um, Genesis 2.24 gives a sense of this. It says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and then shall be one flesh. So they form a new family. Um, of course, not everyone gets married. Um, God calls some to a single life. Some, God calls some to a celibate life. And in fact, in the, New, in the New Testament church, the single celibate man or woman was a real hero. They were thought of very, very highly. Um, so, if, if, if God calls you to singleness, then I guess this movement from obedience to, to honour will be when you leave your home, when you, you are no, one, no longer under the parental roof, as it were. I mean, it gets complicated when you see men still in their 40s living at home. I don't quite know how to work that one up. But, but generally speaking, either through marriage or through moving uh, out into a new life, um, there will be a natural break where you become no longer under the um, direct care of your parents. And this is the biblical pattern. Obedience and honour as a young child or a young adult still under the parental roof. And then as an adult, honour to parents all through your life. Now, um, as I said earlier, we, we have to be real here. Um, and I know firsthand from years of pastoral ministry and years of professional work with children that this commandment is a tough one for many because many have, have had really bad parents or have really bad parents but the commandment doesn't provide any exception so we, we, we have to work this out with wisdom and great wisdom needs to be applied when dealing with the very hard scenario some are in when it comes to this commandment um, not all children, not all adults have parents with whom they have a good relationship. Not all p children have parents who love them. Not all parents have children who have raised them well. And how do you honour parents who are dishonourable? Well, I think the Bible does help us there. Um, the truth is that there are some kinds of authority where honour is required from us as Christians even when the other party has not earned that honour. We still have to give it. An example is um, Romans 13 verse 7. Render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due custom to whom custom fear to whom fear honour to whom honour you see e even under the tyrannical wicked Roman rulers Paul still commands that 
every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. So that's an example, it's not talking about parents of course, but it's an example where honour is due still to, a, to, to persons or a body at least who, who don't deserve it. The virtue, the honour is due by virtue of a person's God-given position. And we have to honour even bad governments, with the exception of if they're trying to compromise our Christian faith, that's the exception. But if they tax us too much or whatever, we still, we still have to pay our taxes. If they start forbidding us to go to church, then we'll, we'll rebel. But it has to be at that level, not because they've got a different kind of politics to us. Um, that's not the Christian way. Um, and as sometimes we have to honour bad governments, sometimes we have to honour even bad parents. That's where it is. In some cases, a child will have to distinguish between the person and the position. And, and as I say, this is far, this is far more complicated than, than I'm even explaining. Because for some children, it would be highly dangerous for them to have a personal relationship with their parent. But with wise counsel and help, it, it can be possible to reach a point where they can at least honour the role of a mother or a father so that they can then become a better mother or father than than they, they experienced. For some, honouring parents will take the form of just not publicly speaking evil of their parents, even when there's a lot of evil that could be spoken about. So for some, refusing to dishonour parents may be all that is possible for some. And that's a big thing for some children, not to continually go on about how awful their childhood has been and, and maybe the, all, that that is, all that is possible for that child to do is, is to decline from publicly running their parents down. God knows. God knows what is possible for us. There are other cases when parents, you know, it's very difficult to know how to apply this um, fifth commandment. You know, some, what if your parents hold or expose ex or um, hold or um, espouse dreadful opinions? Maybe they're, they're, they're overtly racist. Maybe they, they, they overtly um, champion gay pride marches and what have you. How do you want a, a parent doing that? Well, all that can be done is, is to honour parents without compromising Christian conviction. Um, so I, I mention these things just to show you that there are um, complexities. Not just here, but with, 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 with applying a lot of biblical principles. It's not, sometimes we, we we think things are just perfect, but they're not. Real life isn't. 
And we have to apply great wisdom in knowing how to help people obey God's word. So, <clears throat> so notwithstanding some of these difficulties, how do you and I honour our parents? Well, we've already said children, young children, um, children still at home, mainly through obedience to your parents, we've established that. But both young children and, adult, and adult, adults can also honour parents in, in a number of different ways. I think one of the most important things is forgiveness. Because parents aren't perfect. Um, I know I'm, I'm not a perfect parent by any means. We, we make mistakes. Sometimes big ones. Uh, and sometimes, um, you know, our parents and we may have done it, you know, we've been wounded by something a parent has said. Maybe they've given the impression that they prefer our, our older brother or younger brother or older sister or younger sister or, they, or they've made some cutting remark and that's remained with us all through life. Um, maybe something's been said or done that's made us feel small. It could be any number of things, but you know, one thing we can do to honour our parents is forgive them. Is not to hold on to bitterness, um, because for most of us, our parents weren't, aren't perfect or weren't per perfect if they've passed on. I mean, if you've got a perfect parent, then you're, you're very blessed, and, and I don't believe you. <laughs> um, and forgiveness is important. We can honour parents by being positive about them to others, speaking well of our parents when they are alive and even after they've died. We can still honour our parents by talking about, about them when we did have them and, and how they brought us up and, and the good things. And that's still a way of us honouring parents and that, and that helps other people to, to learn how to honour and esteem their parents. So speak well of, of your parents, of your parents. When you're with others, in the church or with friends, you, you'll, you'll hear a lot of, particularly teenagers, running their parents down. But the one, one way you can show your different as a Christian is to, is to build your parents up and say, well, my parents are great. My parents uh, love, love us, or whatever it might be. So be positive about your parents. That's a good way of honouring them. <coughs> tell them, tell your parents sometimes about the things that you've learnt from them. I wish I'd done that more with with my father, he's died. The things he taught me, just some of the basic things like how to fix things and um, do things. And tell them how grateful you are for some of the things you've learned from them. Dad or mum, you really helped me in life by teaching me this or that and something, that's something we can do as adults while our parents are still with us 
Um, thank them for what they've taught us. Um, and I think parents feel honoured. Uh, they, they feel this honour that we're giving them when we turn to them in times of trouble and seek their advice and wisdom before rushing off to professionals or to this body or that body. They're the ones that know you best. And of course this does depend on the relationship. And this isn't going to be possible for, for everyone. But if you've got parents that love you and care for you, even if it's not perfect, and it won't be, they're the ones that, that are most interested in you and know you the best. And, and so often it's our parents we go to last for advice. So a way to honour our parents is to go to them and, and say, I'm having this difficulty, I've got this problem, you know, can you help me? So don't rush to others before seeking the wisdom of the people who know you best, particularly if they're Christian parents, of course. Um, we honour our parents by making them feel secure and safe, by assuring them that we will never forsake them in old age or in poor health. Um, just as they cared for you, you must care for them. Some things you won't be able to do because you'll have to be medically qualified to do it if they're really ill. But you do all that you can to the point where it's beyond your capabilities. Um, King David said in Psalm 71, 9, Cast me not off in the time of my old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. He's talking to God, of course, but I think we could... We could um, Think of that to our parents too. That let's not cast our parents off when they're old or when they're frail, when their strength faileth. <coughs> and if needed, and this will be, this might be true for for some. If needed, we have to provide for them financially. As a Christian adult, if the need arises, you, I. I'm responsible financially for our parents. If you don't believe me, then read 1 Timothy chapter 5 and take it up with the Apostle Paul. I didn't, I didn't invent the rules. So it isn't, you know, it isn't for the church to pick up the pieces. It's not for the state. If, if you've got, um, if, you, as a, if you have children, they're responsible in the first place and um, to be a widow indeed in, in, in terms of, of Timothy in other words to be to qualify for the money that the deacons distributed it was quite a high tariff you, you basically had to be to have no near relatives you had to be destitute and even then you had to demonstrate that you'd been a faithful Christian um, so yeah, if, if, if um, a parent is in need financially, their children and even their grandchildren if, are responsible for them. Well, if we need a model and an example of all of this, um, 
We have the perfect example, don't we, in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He, he as a child, came to Nazareth, and it's, the scripture says he was subject to them. And even as an adult, in his agony upon the cross, as he's dying, he, he, um, he saw his mother and the disciple standing by her, whom he loved, and he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And then he said to John, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. He, he provided for his mother. In, in, Modelling for us the two bookends of life. Life where to, we are to be obedient to our parents right through to an adult providing and caring for our mother. Uh, of course, his, Joseph had already died by then. So that's the commandment. And then very, very quickly, I'm not going to spend time on this very much. We then come to the second point. That to this command there is attached a promise. It says. That thy days may be long upon the land. Which the Lord thy God giveth thee. In other words. The Lord is your God and he is giving you this land. And there is something key about honouring your mother and father that is, that is going to be key to God granting you a long and continual enjoyment in the land. Paul notes in Ephesians 6 verse 2 that this is the first commandment with a promise. And if you notice Ephesians 2, Verse, uh, Ephesians 6 verse 2 he changes the wording slightly uh, and he applies it not just to Israel in the land but to the church he says honour thy father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth changes it you have to be an apostle to change scripture we can't do that so the particular land aspect of the promise in, in the commandments has ended, but the blessing of the commandment continues for us. And what does this mean? What does it mean that, um, that if we honour our mother and father, that there will be this, we will, it will be well with us and that we will live long on the earth? What does that mean? Well, I don't think it means like a cause and effect sort of thing. It's not like um, if I push this pulpit, it's going to fall over. It's not a, a formula. I don't think, I may, I'm not 100% sure about this, but I don't think it's if you do A, then B will always follow. In other words, if I honour my parents, I will outlive someone else who doesn't. I don't think it's a formulaic thing. Because um, we know the, the Bible, 
particularly in the Psalms, goes on and on about how the wicked, the wicked sometimes prosper. I think this is to be understood in terms of God's people building up a spiritual legacy which over time results in a generation having long and good lives. And we see something of this in, um, in verse 6 here in, in chapter 20 where it says, And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. There's this, there's this blessing that flows from obedience to the commandment. And I think, and I think this is actually even possible in a local church actually, but I, I think it's obviously has a wider applicability. But what we need to be aiming for is that each generation of, of the covenant people of God should pass on a, a heritage, pass on a legacy of a life under the blessing of God which comes from obedience to the Lord, which comes from families, parents uh, bringing up their children in obedience and then they're honouring their parents and then there's this cycle of, of blessing and goodness which builds up into a heritage and a, and a legacy which is passed on from one generation to another, from one congregation to the next congregation of the same church to of one generation of children to the next generation of children it's not it's a not a quick fix it takes time to build up but i believe what the lord is saying here is that fundamentally if you obey well, all the commandments but there's a special promise attached to this fifth commandment that over time it will build up into a a, a store of blessing which will generally speaking, mean long life and a good life. Obedience to God commands, brings down God's blessing. Um, and key to this is learning godliness in the family. There's a, there's a, I'm coming to an end now. That we, we, there's an example of this, of what I'm trying to say. I don't know if I said it in any way that made any sense really but maybe if I give you an example of this in action of this kind of legacy building up um, we see it in the life of Timothy in 2 Timothy um, 5 yes, it might be 1 Timothy 5 sorry 1 Timothy 5. <coughs> I to actually find it because I've, uh, I've got the wrong. Timothy chapter 1 Here's, I think this is, this is um, what I'm trying to say as a, as, a, as a model or an example 2 Timothy chapter 1 
we'll begin by verse verse 4 greatly <coughs> desiring to see thee being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice and I am also and I am persuaded that in thee also so you see there's this legacy which is built up by the grandmother then passed on to the mother and then passed on to Timothy there's this store of blessing which is passed on generation to generation I think that's really what this promise is it's something like that I'm not sure if it's 100% but it, it's something along those lines and you know I think that's um, a wonderful thing it's through parents dis- discipling their children and through the church discipling parents and children that over time a spiritual legacy is built that can transform a society that can transform a nation it can shape a nation. We're in despair at the moment, aren't we? But, you know, it's happened before that this nation has been shaped and transformed through the passing on of a, of a legacy of, of godliness and revival. And we can do it again. It can be done again. Um, this is, I think, the vision that we need to, to have, a vision of... Um, of us all, parents and all of us who have influence over children in the, in the covenant people of God and we all, all of us adults will have influence even if we're not the parent we, we contribute in the church uh, in some way, don't we? to the children um, we're to build a legacy through modelling love for the Lord teaching our children and training them in obedience and in honour and I believe, you know, that's, as I say, I think that's possible even at the local church level. That we, we can build a church which, through, which is not just for, our, for us here now, but can be passed on to the next generation and the generation after that. And this great baton, this great baton of blessing is passed on to the next generation. That should be our vision, I think. And we've we started, haven't we? And let's continue in God's name. Amen. Feel free to contact us at Sovereign Grace Church in Tiverton. Email us at grace2seekers at gmail.com. That's grace2seekers at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can visit our website at www.sovereigngracereformedchurch.co.uk.